Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one here this morning. Thank you for taking the time to come out in this negative uh, six degree weather and come together as the body of Christ. I want to welcome each one of you online as well and appreciate that you've taken the time to be together with the body there in your homes or wherever you might be this morning. I continue to be uh, just impressed and excited to see what God is doing through this congregation. Appreciate all those who came and helped clean the, the building yesterday. Uh, we were in about every single nick, nook and cranny. There was places where there was dirt that I didn't know dirt could get type of thing. It's like a little kid and we'll take, giving them a bath and that sort of thing. And so we gave the church building a bath yesterday and uh, just a great opportunity to come and fellowship. I think there's about 40 people here, kids uh, and adults included, and we we worked for several hours, and it was just a fun time of fellowship and cleaning of the facility. And so thank you for those who are willing to come do that. I want to continue to say thank you to those who helped with the snow removal. And Nathan List, I know, gets up real early on Sunday mornings and goes and gets the truck warmed up and uh, gets the, the the parking lot cleared off and the, the sidewalks and then there's salt and all that stuff that goes into it. And I know it's not just him, but there's others that are part of that as well. And so thank you to those who help with the snow removal. It makes a huge difference as we come together. Uh, today, many of you probably came thinking that uh, you were going to hear Aaron Pros, and so I appreciate you willing to come and do that and hear Aaron Pros, but sorry you get to hear me again this morning, and uh, he was, weather and a few other things caused him not to be able to come, and so uh, Aaron is a professor at Summit Christian College, and uh, in the month of February, uh, they do uh, just reach out to the churches and ask if we can take up a love offering for them, so we are still planning to do that, and again, as Todd mentioned, if you just want to put those offerings in the plate and the normal offerings that you might have in the box that will help us keep those separated out and, and get those uh, where those need to go. But uh, do thank uh, all the work and the things that go on at Summit Christian College. Uh, that is where I graduated from, where my wife graduated from, and many others here in this congregation. We have students that are currently going there now, and uh, we do believe that it's a, a great ministry. It's a mission that we support on a monthly basis, and this in the month of February, as we think of love, we want to offer them a, a love offering this morning uh, as they equip uh, men and women to do Christian ministry uh, in wherever areas they might go in, whether it be full-time or uh, vocational, as far as out in the workforce, wherever it might be, they're being equipped to be Christian leaders. And so we want to praise God for the ministry that's going on through Summit Christian College. And the last thing I just want to mention, along the lines of cleaning the building, uh, we just want to encourage you, if you're not feeling well, you're more than welcome, again, to stay home. Don't feel bad about that. You can join us online. Uh, if you're someone that uh, is maybe a little bit more cautious right now and you need to stay home, that's okay too. If you want to wear a mask and come, you're more than welcome to do that. We do not require masks, but if that's something that you feel more comfortable with wearing, we actually have some out in the foyer. If you forget one and you're more than welcome to grab one of those and wear that, and we'd love for you to, uh, again, feel as comfortable coming together as the body of Christ as possible during this difficult time in our world's history. We are in uh, 1 Corinthians this morning, and as Aaron uh, mentioned, let me know yesterday uh, that he would not be making it today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be sharing a message that's not part of our second uh, Peter sermon series. It's a, a message uh, that I looked through, and, and uh, as I thought about what I wanted to share, kind of at last minute here this morning, 
morning. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And the title of the message is, Run the Race to Win. And I think it really applies for us at any stage in our lives. And especially during the things that we're going through currently. Is that it's, e- it's easy to get down uh, when it comes to, man, does, what, what's going on? Where's God? How are we going to get through all this? And the reality is, is that if we remain faithful to God, He's going to help us win the race. And when it comes to our relationship with him, he, he challenges us from 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. And I want to begin with a video that kind of touches on these, this section of scripture. Again, if you want to turn to your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And Debbie, do you want to hit the lights for me as we begin? life it isn't mine at all i'm giving it up i'm trading it in my energy my time my strength it's not mine anymore i've made a decision this race is my life everyone else may choose to spend their time doing all kinds of other things watching tv playing video games shopping for the latest stuff collecting the latest toys and trinkets and then there's the whole endless online world But not me. I used to spend time on those things, but now I consider that to be all a big waste. Those are just distractions to me now. That's time I'd rather spend becoming one with him. I've got to be disciplined. I've got to focus. I must have purpose in every step. I'm the boss of my body. I have to make it do what it should. I've got to play by the rules. I don't want to be disqualified. This isn't just practice. I want to win. I won't complain about it. I won't take time to argue with haters or listen to critics. I know I'm different from everyone else, but that's just what makes me shine. So I'm just going to get out there every single day and do what I need to do to win. Because I know that on that day, I won't let anything hold me back from reaching the goal. I'm taking off anything weighing me down. I'm getting rid of anything that slows me down. My hands may get tired, my knees may feel weak, but I feel stronger every day because I keep my eyes focused straight ahead. I've got something to look forward to at the finish line. I'm going to be proud of the choices I made, that it wasn't all for nothing, that all that hard work paid off. That everything I poured my life out for prepared me for this. At the end of this race, the ultimate prize is waiting for me. I'll meet Jesus face to face. That was a great race. Well done, son. Welcome home. All right. Somebody else order that many cookies. Not likely. Name one person. 
understand. They are not pajamas. That's right. These are not pajamas, okay? It's a warm-up suit. It's warming up for really cool stuff that's not sleeping, all right? And as we look at this first Corinthians, I gotta get ready. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Uh, I, I think about the, the, this event that was supposed to take and happen in 2020, this past summer. Does anybody know at the top of their head it was supposed to take place? It was like a worldwide event that was going to take place. You can raise your hand if you know it. This past summer, 2020, it was going to happen in Tokyo, Bailey. The Olympics, yes. Man, I don't know about you, but I was really sad that that didn't take place this past summer because of COVID. It was one of the things I, I really look forward to like every four years or so. Uh, it was the Summer Olympics and I don't know about you but I just love all the different events. Does anybody have any favorite uh, things that go on during the, the Summer Olympics that you just look forward to watching? Raise your hand. Yes, Debbie. Swimming? Yep. It's amazing how they can just slice through that water, and especially when we're winning as the Americans. We're like, yeah, we love swimming, okay? We also liked other areas where we, that we win in. We don't pay attention to those areas that we don't win in always. But any other ones that you really like that you enjoy watching, Gabe? Wrestling, okay? All right. Any others that you just you look forward to when you think of the Summer Olympics, Jen? Gymnastics, yeah, man, it's just amazing how they can flip and turn and stay on that bar and just all those, the, the rings and the, you know, I, it's just amazing. Gymnastics is a lot of fun to watch. Any others? Yes, Gillen. Fencing, yes, that is also one of my favorites to watch. Yes, fencing. Yes, thank you, Gillen, for that one. Yes, I, I just love the, the Summer Olympics. I look forward to them. I just, it's just fun to see the track and field. You know, where, where we have some of the top athletes in the world and the, the relays and, you know, the high jump, the pole vault. I mean, just all the different aspects of the Summer Olympics is just a lot of fun to watch. And I was just really disappointed. And part of the reason I love to watch is think about how much effort and time and uh, training they put into being able to compete in those four years leading up to those Olympics and, and all that goes into that. And Paul shares a challenge in 1 Corinthians that I want to share with you this morning. And again, it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 25. It says, In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So run in a way that will get you the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I, I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize you see, Paul uses this illustration of an athletic contest, a, a race, and, and this is something that was very familiar to those there that he's writing to in Corinth, the Christians. And, and the Greeks, they had two main great uh, athletic events. One was the Olympics games that a lot of people were very familiar with. But then they also had the Isthmian Games, I-S-T-H-M-I-A-N, Isthmian Games, which were held in the city of Corinth, 
every two years or so. Okay, and the athletes would compete in foot races, wrestling, boxing, throwing the discus and javelin, the long jump, chariot racing. Get this, they also competed in poetry reading. All right, Gabe, that would be your forte, right? Poetry reading. And then singing, were th- those are also considered events in this athletic competition. And one thing we need to remember is that as, as you think about these athletes in these competitions, as they competed, they weren't, they weren't hoping for a third place or they weren't hoping for second place. No, there was, there was just one prize. They were, they were hoping to be first. And if you want to be first, when it comes to your relationship with God and, and running the race that he's calling you to run, then you're going to have to work at it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we receive the, the free gift of, of grace and forgiveness and mercy by working at it. But what I am saying is that God, he requires something from us. If we're going to compete in this race, then, then we have to actually make some effort Okay, and as you look here, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, as, as we all run, that only one gets the prize, and so run in such a way that you receive the prize. And then he says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. If you're taking notes this morning, that's the first thing that you need to do. If you want to w- run a, the race to win the prize, you have to go into strict training. And these Corinthians, they knew that every athlete who participated in the games, that they took an oath. And the oath said that they had uh, been training for 10 months and that they had given up certain kinds of foods in order to maintain a certain strict diet in order to be a part of these games. They subjected themselves to, to rather rigorous discipline in order to win. But Paul says that all of their winning was for a crown that would what? Would it last forever? No, it says it, it, it doesn't last at all. It says, but we, they do it to get a crown that will not last. And as I kind of thought about that, I looked up, uh, according to Wikipedia, the, the winners of the Isthmian Games, they received, get this, this is pretty sweet, a wreath made out of celery. Right? I mean, isn't that what we all look forward to when we run a race? We're like, whoo, I'm going to win. Yes, and if I win, I get a a wreath made out of celery. And as time progressed, it it was altered to like pine needles. That was was an upgrade from celery, okay? But as I thought about this idea of running and the strict training and all the time and effort that goes into being a part of these Ithmian games, and then uh, what you receive is a crown of celery and in my own house I think why why do we even buy celery? I know unless you put peanut butter on it, it's like useless. I mean, and so there's a lot of times where I look in my fridge and sure enough, what's in the back of the fridge there? Yep, celery that we haven't eaten yet. Okay. And my wife's like, no, I'm gonna use that in a soup. Yeah, I'm like, okay, all right. And so we're gonna use it in a soup. But I think about this idea of they went through all this time and effort to try to win. First place to receive a wreath made out of celery that oftentimes turns brown in our modern day refrigerators. That's what they were competing for. Something that would not last. And yet, for us Christians, in the race that we're living, Scripture teaches us that we receive the prize, the crown that has eternal value. Something that's going to last for eternity is the things that we are looking forward to. 
And all too often as Christians, we want to run the race, you know. Like, I'm really working hard, right? I'm, just, I'm jogging it out. Don't want to break too much of a sweat here. But we want to win. The, we want to have the prize though, right? We just want to kind of jog to the finish line. But we want the prize. And that's not what Scripture teaches. In fact, it says, Paul right here to us says, that you have to go into strict training. 2011, uh, at the last minute, uh, I decided to enter a, a race. It was a five-mile run. I'm not really a big-time runner. In fact, uh, uh, just the other day on Facebook, John Mulhall, and he's the preacher at uh, Westway Christian Church, he runs every single day, rain, shine, sick, not sick, negative 12, whatever. And a picture of him on uh, Facebook is he ran in negative 14-degree weather in Scotts Bluff and for five miles outside. He doesn't run inside. I don't know. He's, I don't know what he's against when it comes to running outs, inside. But ran outside five miles in the freezing cold. And of course, his beard and hair and eyebrows and eyelashes just covered in ice. And he loves to run. Me, not so much. Errol Wright, some of you know Errol Wright. He's a son-in-law to Nancy and Ray Groenwald. He, Ray, Errol loves to run. I don't love to run. And so it was kind of a last-minute random, let's join. It's kind of, it was a fun activity there in the summer months. It was called the Don Childs Memorial Run. And so I enter, and I'm like, that was like 2011, so that's 10 years ago. So I'm like 30 years old in my prime, right? And I'm thinking, Oh, this is, I'm going to be able to handle this. I'm going to for sure be at the top of my uh, age group, but I'm going to probably take out most everybody in the whole competition is, is what's going through my mind. And so I start running, and I make it out, and that halfway point, you turn around, and you just start running back towards the, the start line. And so I'm running, and I'm dying, all right? I am dying. I, I can barely breathe. I'm like, you know, I'm just barely jogging along here, and there's ladies passing me right and left, you know? These, these female runners are just, you know, they're just jogging right past me. I'm like, oh, no. You know, in my mind as a guy, you know, my, my uh, pride is like taking a big hit. I'm like, I thought I could at least beat all the girls, you know. No, there's w woman after woman is passing me, and I'm just like, go ahead. Good job. You're doing good, you know, because I'm, I'm just hoping to finish the race, you know. And that was 2011. I finished, praise the Lord, and I didn't have a heart attack or anything, and and so I thought to myself, man, man, I just got smoked in that fun run. And I got to work harder for next year. So two, I'm thinking I'm going to enter the race 2012, but this time I'm going to train. All right? So I'm going to train. So around my house, it's like 1.13 or 3 miles, something like that. And so I'd run around my house, and then I'd run once, and I'd do that for a week. And then I'd move it up till I finally was running 5 miles at a time, and I was trying to improve my time, and I was trying to work on my breathing and all that kind of stuff. And finally, Don Child's memorial run comes around again, and I'm, I'm coming up to the start line, and in my mind I'm thinking, I'm a lot humbler this year. I'm probably not going to hardly beat anybody, but I feel like I'm more prepared this year. And there's still going to be a lot of females that are going to pass me right and left, and that's going to be okay because they are better runners than I am, and I'm just going to do the best job I can. So I start running, and I make it out halfway and come back, and I finish, and it was a whole lot easier that year, 2012. And guess what? Uh, like I said, there's a lot of people that beat me. I didn't even come close to uh, being at the top, but I beat my 2011 time by 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And the difference was... Going in at the last second with no training versus being prepared and training for the race. 
And that's what we have to do as followers of Jesus. You have to train. You have to put forth effort. And you think about what sort of things the Christians need to be working on when it comes to training. Well, as we've been going through 2 Peter, he gave us a list of things that we can be praying through and, and, and working on. And, and we talked about in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, is the fruit of the Spirit. And those th- are things that we can be working on. And so I want to read from Galatians 5, 22. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's two little girls just the other day in the mall as we were waiting, we were in the mall, and there's two little girls that, I don't know if they're twins, but as they're walking next to each other, they're just talking, talking to each other, you know, and as they're walking, they were just in step, one, there's one, two, just right in step with each other, just leg left, and they weren't even like three-legged racing or anything, they were just walking next to each other, in step with one another, and that's what we have to be when it comes to the Spirit, we have to be working on these things of love and joy and peace. And when we wake up in the morning, like, ah, oh, I have to go to work again. And man, I need to have some joy when it comes to going to, to work. And so I pray, God, please help me have joy in the Lord, joy in you when I go. And, and we are in a time in, this, in our world's history where we don't have a lot of peace. And we pray, God, help me to work on having peace. Whenever something comes into my life that kind of throws a, a monkey wrench into my peacefulness, I'm just praying, God, help me to have peace. And, and so we work on these things. We train in these areas in order that we can be better equipped to run the race. And when we're willing to train our spiritual muscles It's then and only then will we be able to race in a way that we win the prize. That we win the prize. And so we have to train. And we have to get rid of the empty efforts. Again, if you look back at the passage here in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, verse 25, again, we're talking about this idea of everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And then verse 26, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. If a, if a runner had a chance to, of winning a race, he had to stay on course. And as I, I was in track growing up, you know, they talk about form, you know, having form and breathing. And, and you can't just run. You know, some kids, they do run like this, but oftentimes they don't win, win too many races. But, you know, you just run like, you know, just run. You don't, you don't see too many Olympians like, on your mark, get set, go. We don't do that, okay? That's like running aimlessly, and it's kind of like the, the Forrest Gump, like, I was running, you know, just, just to run. We don't run just to run. We run with a purpose. We, we run with a focus. And as you see here, Paul switches metaphors from field of running to the, the wrestling or boxing. And I don't have a pair of boxing gloves. I should have, you know, again, this kind of last minute a little bit. But I should have asked Gabe. But I, oftentimes as a kid, I put on my mittens, you know. And they're like, yeah, I got some boxing gloves on. And I just start hitting my siblings, you know, with them. And, and then, then I, my bigger brother would just like. 
you know. So, but, uh, you know, I just think you, you get these, you get gloves on and you, you start thinking about this idea of, of, of boxing. And he gives this reference here. And I think about Ultimate Fighting Championship. And even, like I said, Gabe, Gabe Webb, he was, a, he was a cage fighter. He was in the octagon at, at one time. And, and those guys are not small guys. Gabe's not a small guy. Uh, he's actually kind of a, a larger guy. And I'm thinking, man, th- that would be crazy to be in a ring with Gabe, and he wants to, like, destroy me, and I'd be running for my life, like, ah, you know, that's, that's the aimless running, right, and, I, and yet he would be prepared, he would have the gloves, he would know what to do, he'd know takedowns and different uh, holds and all that kind of stuff, and that's what Paul's getting at, he said, we don't just, we fight, like, just throwing our fists, you know, and I think about my, my kids, where they get in fights, and like, you know, you know, just throwing, and they're not landing any punches, and Paul's referring to, even at this time in these games, man, this was some serious stuff. Their, 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 their gloves, they weren't just nice, soft, you know, or hard gloves, or, but anyway, safer gloves. They had gloves that they would arm with, like, knots and nails in them, and they'd be filled with lead and iron. And they're basically, again, they're going into battle, okay? It's the idea of totally missing, and, and so you wouldn't want to just be throwing you know, your arms, you want to actually hit, you want to actually connect, you, you want your punches to actually land, okay, and we can't just be throwing our arms frivolously around hoping that we end up making it through the match, and I think about that in your own Christian walk, is that how you're living, or are your efforts making a difference, or are they empty, you know, you're just kind of like, I'm going to pray today, but I'm not going to wait, I'm going to go to church next week, but I'm going to maybe talk to my sibling or my coworker, you know, one time, and we're just, we don't have a focus, we, we, don't, we don't pray about where God is leading us and, and how we're supposed to be used by him, and are we spending time on things that don't even matter in this life, and someone has said that too many of us show a first-rate dedication to second-rate causes. We show a first-rate dedication to second-rate causes. And, and in Alice in Wonderland, there's a scene there, and Alice asks the Cheshire cat, Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go here? The cat replies, That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Alice says, I don't much care where. And the cat replies, Then it doesn't matter which way you go. And I think as Christians, we don't have a clue where we're supposed to be going, where God is leading us. We're not seeking his will in our lives. We're just hoping to make it to the end, throwing our hands and running wildly. And yet we're supposed to remain focused. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul's passion was for his life to count. Paul wanted to make a difference during his life. And in Philippians 2.16, he says, In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. That I did not run or labor for nothing. Can you and I say that very same thing? That we stand before God one day and we can boast on that day that we did not run or labor for nothing? See, wouldn't it be terrible to be at the end of your life and wonder if you really made a difference? 
an eternal difference. I'm not talking about just getting your kids through school and getting them to be adults someday. I'm, I'm talking about did you make an eternal difference in someone's life that someday they're going to be standing next to you in heaven because of what you did in their lives? How would you feel if the efforts you were making were futile, meaning all the things that you spent time and energy and effort in in this life, they just pass away. They don't really have an internal, eternal impact, and they become futile. And so we have to get rid of the, the things that are, that are meaningless. We have to stay focused. And the third thing that I encourage you to write down is make your body a slave. Make your body a slave. In verse 27 it says, No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The word beat here is translated often as buffet, but it's spelled B-U-F-F-E-T, and I'm thinking buffet, right? I mean, I, I like what Paul's getting at here, right? We're supposed to go to the buffet, hibachi, whatever one you like to go to, and, and uh, sushi, and, and uh, uh, like the, those, you know, the things with the cheese in them, and what are those called? Crab rangoon, yeah, okay, and then uh, maybe some uh, teriyaki chicken or general, and just as much as you can eat, you know, the donuts and the ice cream, you know, just the buffet, and, but I don't, I don't think that's the right pronunciation of what Paul's getting at here. I don't think that's what he had in mind. In fact, the word here means to beat. The word beat here literally means to, to hit under the eye or to subdue or to beat black and blue. And always what comes to my mind is the Rocky movies and how he could barely see. You know, he couldn't even fight because he couldn't even hardly see to, to, get beat under, to be beaten so badly to be beaten to submission. To, to tap out, basically. And we're supposed to cause our bodies to tap out. We're supposed to be in control of our bodies. And if you, there's a paraphrase here from the message paraphrase, verse 26 and 27. And it's really interesting the way they paraphrase it. It says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition, I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Is your body your slave, or are you a slave to your body? Do you treat it or beat it? Are you leading your passions, or are your passions leading you? See, we can't let our bodies tell our minds what to do. We have to have our minds tell our bodies what to do. And I, I think about commitment and the efforts made by different individuals. And as I was reading through different things, John Wesley says that he traveled an average of 20 miles a day for 40 years. He got up every morning at 4 a.m. I didn't even know that was an actual time. I thought it was made up or something. But there's an actual 4 in the morning, I guess. 4 in the morning. He preached 40,000 sermons. He produced 400 books and knew 10 languages. And at the age of 83, he was annoyed because he couldn't write more than 15 hours a day because his eyes started to fail him. They started to hurt. And at, at the age of 86... He was ashamed that he couldn't preach more than two sermons a day. 
he complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to lie in bed until, get this, 5.30 in the morning. All right? It's pretty rough. I know. It's just, oh, 5.30. And I think about that in my own life. Am I giving it all that I have? Am I, am I making my own body a slave or am I just letting my body dictate my life? And if we're going to run the race to win, we have to stop being a slave to our earthly nature and be willing to be a slave to Christ. Be willing to be a slave to Christ. That's who we're running this race for. That's who is going to be at the end and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I want to encourage us to not give up. Don't give up. I want to watch a video that talks directly to that point of not giving up. Troubles come and my heart burdens me, then I am still and wait here in silence until you come and fill shoulder 
God wants you to finish strong. <laughs> it's right around the corner. <laughs> God is there right with you all along the way. He doesn't want you to give up. And uh, it's easy to get distracted by the things of this world. It's easy to think that we're in this alone. It's easy to think that there's no hope. And yet the reality is, is that if we remain faithful to God and we run the race that he's calling us to run, and if we do the training he's called us to do and, and get rid of the empty things that don't really make a difference at, at the end, and we work hard at making our bodies a slave to God, like Derek Redmond, and never give up, and then God's going to come right alongside us, and he's going to get us to the finish line. And so maybe this morning you've been struggling with life, and you need someone to talk to and pray with, and you don't want to give up, I would encourage you to reach out. And maybe you feel like you're not even in the race yet. You feel like maybe you've been on the sidelines when it comes to your relationship with God, and, and you need to go all in with God and allow for Him to direct your path, to help train you, to get you where you need to go when it comes to your eternity. And I pray that if that's a, something that you need to make a decision about this morning, we invite you to come. We're going to sing a song of invitation, and as we sing this song, I pray that uh, you would take the passage here from 1 Corinthians 9 and begin to really think through and pray about, am I doing everything that I can do in my relationship with God to run the race in order to win the prize? Not that cauliflower, or not cauliflower, Celery. Cauliflower is no good either. We're not trying to win that celery crown, but we're trying to win, spend eternity with God. We're trying to finish the race in order that we might receive that special joy of spending eternity with God. And again, if you don't feel like you're in the race yet, you, you don't feel like you're heading down the path that leads to the, the, the finish line where God is going to be standing there and welcoming you. And don't wait another day. Let's get right with God this morning. Will you stand with us as we sing?